0: Hello,
1: and thanks for joining us on the Writers' Meeting with Dr. Michael Lightman. Hello.
0: We have a
1: few current topics for... This week, and our first topic for today, a wave of rising prices in Israel. Last week, the Minister of Economy announced that soon the prices of supervised bread will rise by 36%. The rise in the price of bread joins the expected rise in the price of eggs and dairy products, fuel and rent, and for families from the weaker strata, these hard blows will be felt significantly in the pocket economists claim that in the past year, the cost of living for a family of five has risen by about 2,000 shekels per month. And to add to that, the prices of electricity, which are expected to rise by 9.6% soon and more. Um, The reason for all this, the reasons for all of it are well known. The wheat shortage following the war in the Ukraine, the marine transport crisis, the increase in raw material prices, and the fear is that inflation in Israel will soar to two-decade high. What are we deteriorating to economically? The state of Israel. Uh, no, to where it deter- deserves to go. You can't do nothing. The market determines these things, the government. It can make some cor- corrections, a bit here, a bit there, for these prices to rise more, or those prices rise less, but it depends on the government. That there will be, that the prices will rise, that's for sure. The question is, how will the government play with it? How much will it allow certain products to become more costly compared to others, etc. The country could have paid for some of these things themselves. It has the budget, but it doesn't do it. Why do you think that the country is raising prices that it's supervising? I don't know. I'm not getting into this kitchen. I don't understand anything there, and I don't want to understand The bit that I tasted from it, where I was somehow
2: related to it, I saw that it's all
1: politics, calculations, they have their own kitchen where they cook their own things, and so I'm not getting into it. Eventually, your bread is costly. I make my bread. I make my own bread, if you ask me.
0: <laughs>
1: that, that's the solution. I mean, they recommend. Uh, what do you recommend common people? I don't know. Their elections soon, they should make their choice. Even if you make the bread yourself, you know, uh, wheat is costly. Uh, of course. But It's much cheaper, by the way, to make it yourself.
0: The state of Israel is, you know, should
1: the cost of living be a factor in the upcoming elections? I think that it barely makes any difference. This country is in a kind of... I don't know by what miracle does it know how to absorb everything slide over everything, they cry out, and then, like, nothing
2: happened.
1: I don't see that the people are changing as a result. I
2: don't.
0: How
1: can such an economic deterioration and a rise in basic products influence the social situation in Israel? Again, it's not exactly for me, but I don't think that it will make a difference. The rich will be rich. The poor will be poor. The gap between them maybe will grow a bit. But really, everyone will forget about it. You know, like these things already happened in the past. In my lifetime, I've already been through many such inflations different things. The nation has the ability to absorb. What is this ability to absorb that you're talking about? I don't
2: know. They're
1: not taking to the streets or, you know, in front of the Tel Aviv municipality, starting to build barricades, singing protest songs. They're not doing it.
2: They don't respond.
1: I yell a bit, yeah, here, there. But their outcry is used by different politicians that later just get a few more billions out of it for themselves each of them, a few more billions of shekels for dollars. And again, con the people until the next elections. Where does the nation's ability to absorb come from, to get blows and shut up about it? I can't tell you.
2: There are many
1: pipelines within society such that they provide for themselves you know like off the record everything that they need I used to live in Jerusalem then Jerusalem altogether doesn't work according to the laws of the country there, it's, you know, according to how much you get from the outside, according to how much you get from different other forms of life, from the market. In short, it's not a country in which you can understand That some blow comes, and how that blow goes over the entire country, the entire nation, from side to side. And even though that it's all in all a very small place, but still, we can't control it. We
0: can't.
1: A nation's ability to absorb, is it a good quality or not? It's a good quality but not not in order to manage things. I used to live in the city of Nerovach for many years. There, it's a country within a country. Jerusalem is a country within a country, and you have many such.
2: Also like the Arabs.
1: It's a country within a country. And therefore... You can't calculate and say, okay, now this is going to be difficult, that's going to be difficult, to such a percentage, to another. It doesn't work that way. What kind of comprehensive blow for all these little societies and denominations in Israel can awaken everyone? I'm not an economist. I can't tell a comprehensive blow that will influence everyone. I don't think so. It's a small country on the one hand, on the other hand with many foreign relations and ties, and it's hard to say something about it. It's not a normal country, normative country, let's call it. Okay, let's say a normative country, where the blow can awaken a normative country can awaken them to any blow. 10% increase in electricity costs or water or VAT or whatever. It makes an impact from side to side. Here, mm, it's not really felt. People cry can't take it anymore, and you see that because they can't, they can. As if they have some other pocket out of which they can get out a few more hundreds of dollars and add it to the family's budget. Um, In the past, you said that If the entire world will cut off any ties with us, then that's something that can shake us up if the world will really suffocate us. I don't want to think about it, but of course this will be a strong blow. In a global world where all countries are interdependent, to what extent can you prevent an increase in prices? Does a country have the tools to do it? I can't answer that either, because all these questions, they, they're related to modern world economy, contemporary world economy, I don't know. And also it's not important to me, because what is the result of now them making some laws in one or another way, that they'll be able to prevent this blow. Still, it won't help.
2: There will be more
1: and more, meaning we continue and continue until when? Until forever. What are you going to do about humanity that you'll finish it off or what?
0: It turns out that every
1: person feels the results of the war and the Ukraine on his own flesh. What does it come to teach us? That we're all interdependent that we never heard that sunflower sunflower oil and wheat practically, or almost all of it comes from the Ukraine because the soil there is really very, very special. The Germans, during World War II, uh, they used to take, take that soil with them back to Germany. Soil so much. That's it. But no one knew about it. They used to sell it, everyone used to buy it, and everyone used it normally. And then suddenly starts understanding that now we're not getting what we used to get before. So what kind of solution do you see? in regard to the cost of living. The world needs to do the math eventually that if they will behave properly, then
2: all the price that they pay for their food, it'll be pennies
1: if you won't have to pay war taxes for it and different other taxes, etc., etc.
2: Therefore, we probably
1: need to feel it on our, in our belly that it'll be hard for us to, to exist. What do you mean by behaving properly? That we won't spend millions on armament, Mm on weapons. It says that man will not live only on bread. How does Kabbalah explain it? That really, it doesn't all depend on bread, but on the relations between people. And if between us we will have good relations, then for sure it will satisfy us and everything.
0: Moving
1: on to our next topic, normalization with Saudi Arabia. Last week, the Saudis decided to allow all airlines, including Israeli companies, to fly in the country's skies. Biden called it a historic decision. The opening of Saudi skies will lead to a significant shortening of flight duration between Israel and East Asia, and will greatly reduce the price of airline tickets. Behind this decision is Ben Salman, the heir to the throne of the king of Saudi Arabia, who in recent years has led a series of profound economic and social reforms, and shows a desire to renounce radical Islam and move forward. Eventually, he said that normalization with Israel will come only after a two-state solution. So, what do you think about this entire process? I don't know what you mean by normalization. I know that, for example, with Egypt we have good relations. But these relations, we practically always have them because Egyptians, to begin with, they are not hostile toward us. Abroad, always, Egyptians and Israelis, they got along.
2: Whereas, in such countries like in
1: Gaza, like with Gaza residents, that they live in the same country as we do. But try to approach them when you're abroad or something, or in some other place, see how they accept you. So it doesn't matter whether there's, there's an agreement or not. You don't act according to agreements, you act according to how ripe you are to have proper relations.
2: Therefore, I don't know what is there to add here. With the
1: Saudis, will be okay for sure. We're okay with them for a long
2: time. I even have a friend there, and many times I sent
1: him little parcels from Israel. And we had no problem getting it at the post office.
2: He himself is from white Russia. He also comes to
1: visit us from time to time. And the Saudis, they relate to it very calmly, to the fact that he used to come here and
2: go back there. That's how it it is for years. So
1: it's not a measurement of whether we're coming closer to Arab countries. We simply have no problematic relations with them. And to the measure to which radical Islam is a bit is starting to make less noise in Muslim countries, then they too can allow that, for them, can, can allow themselves to do it. So, what causes certain countries to be friendly, have friendly relations? In Muslim countries, that some of them are friendly towards Israel, some are hostile. It is a political matter.
2: You
1: have to understand that it's political. Because Judaism isn't completely opposed to Islam. No, it's not the same religion, but it's not opposed. Besides, today religion in our world is no longer something that you kill for. You kill over. Ben Salman aspires to realize um, what he wants to do is to reduce uh, Saudi dependence on oil. So, um, young leadership like Ben Salman's, does it have advantages for Israel? Yeah, he's a bright guy, modern, clever guy. He can make big changes. And I think that he understands and feels and can. He's capable of making correct changes that suit our time. He also looks that way, looks cute. So, this modern economic thinking will help disconnect from the hate toward. No, no, no. This ancient hate toward Israel has nothing to do with religion. It's entirely. It's all about politics. It's not about money. It's not about religion. It's politics. It's good for them to keep themselves that way in order to all the time turn the handle of
2: politics.
1: Money and power in order to turn it each time in their direction. And through politics, through diplomacy, is there no opening for some kind of closeness between the nations? It also depends on Israel, but Israel is in lack of freedom, I'd say, is handcuffed between religion and 20 parties and other problems with Arabs, the Arabs in the country, etc., etc. In short, it's a big problem. We're all the time losing and losing and losing. The number of places that we give and that we allow our, the Arabs to settle in the country and in short, we're losing all the time. And we have nothing left to give anymore. And in return for what? It's all fiction.
3: It's
1: fictitious. So it sounds like we're between the hammer and the anvil. On the one hand, because there are Arabs here, we can't have peace with other Arab countries. On the other hand, we're disputed on the inside. What's What's the golden path? How can we get out of the swamp? Mm, No way. No solution. We have tailored such laws for ourselves, parties, systems, that anyone who thinks that he comes to power, that he can change something. Until he comes to power, he's already handcuffed. About Iran, on the one hand, Ben Salman is,
3: you
1: know, he's uncompromising in relation to his attitude toward Iran and terror. On the other hand, he understands that he needs to cooperate with them. So what do you think about, about Saudi or Iran? About the relations between Saudi and Iran. Can we trust it? Can't we tr- We can't trust anyone. And we need to, you know, follow and see what happens there. There's nothing you can do. Nothing you can do. Maybe buy a few more submarines with nuclear warheads and every submarine. Otherwise, what did we buy them for? Just for that. This entire direction with Saudi and with other countries of heating up relations between them, is it going to continue in the future? Do you see a positive future? I don't know. It all depends on politics. It's not in the hands of people. And therefore, if, you ask, if you're asking, what can we do? Connect with each other. For sure, that will cause a good development on their part toward us. Besides that, I believe in nothing. What softens the heart of some of these countries toward us? Is it only a common threat or money? Common threat, money, relations with the U.S., etc. Things like that. Not we ourselves, that's for sure. And there's a vast part of work that we need to do between us, and nothing else can replace that, right? Can replace the connection within Israel. Right. What they didn't talk about in the media are the problematic developments following Biden's visit. The U.S. wants to include the Palestinians and the forums of the Abraham Accords and also Jordan. Uh, What do you think about this? demand. Also, there are many countries that are on their way to normalize their relations with Iran, etc. What do you think about this demand that the U.S. has toward, toward Israel? Of course, no, I don't know, these things aren't really in our favor, but we don't really have any choice. Biden wants to, he comes, he signs what he wants, and it's always at our expense.
0: Thank you. Moving
1: on to our next topic, loss of trust in the U.S. A recent Gallup poll reveals amazing things about American society. It turns out that most of, that most Americans have no trust in any institution or organization of the country, and the situation is only getting worse. A few examples. That show this. The healthcare system, sixty-two percent have little or no faith in it at all. Sixty-nine percent don't believe in the church. Public schools, over seventy percent have no faith in them. Seventy-five percent have no confidence in the Supreme Court. There is even there is even more distrust in the presidency, eighty-four percent no longer believe. Uh Newspapers, 86% no longer believe in the entire justice system. Nearly 90% don't believe television and media in the Congress is in the worst situation. 93% of Americans do not trust it. Another survey shows that the president's popularity is also at a new low, mainly due to the economic situation, when even among his party, voters believe he is doing more harm than good what do you think when you see this kind of data about the U.S.? It does nothing to me.
2: I see it as information.
1: That's it? What can I say? I see how Americans look at it, and I
2: agree
1: that this is actually what they feel. So if it is a survey that comes from the average impression of an American of the country that he lives in and feels it the way that he does, then I only have to accept it and identify with what they feel, sympathize with it. What can I see here and say about the U.S.? Actually, the question is, what is this process that is going on that we see here? What causes the distrust? I'd say something else. That, compared to all other countries that are in a free fall, this is the general trend of the entire world. Then the U.S. is also among them, but but relatively, nonetheless, is not losing that bad. You can say, yeah, but China, for example, and maybe a few other countries in the East, I don't think so. I don't think that the numbers there are better and therefore let's not be you know let's not all look at America at what goes on there and be inspired by it I don't think so seems to me that this kind of economy
2: I don't want to say democracy but Still, this
1: kind of multifaceted system, rich multifaceted system, I don't think that it's in danger of collapsing and doing something. No. Seems that everything will work out, don't worry. It's still early to mourn America. Uh, Economically, that's obvious. My question actually comes from the social process that society is going through, the loss of faith in its institutions. They need to start um, repairing it all, and they're doing it probably. But they have the ability. They need to improve it. The, The country is very flexible. It's not... Russia, and it's not China or uh, Arab countries or Israel. But here, you can't move nothing.
2: But there, there are many laws, and have the
1: government and the Congress, and many such possibilities to change things. What makes them flexible? Uh, What gives them the flexibility that you're talking about? The many, many laws that they have and many possibilities. It's not only parties and different systems Subsystems, sub -sub subsystems that they have there. But
2: you have nonetheless policies
1: in every country in the US out of all these 50 countries, suppose. Uh, I don't think so. It's hard to break something like that. It's hard to break. Sure, they're, they're yelling, and from one day to the next, what's going to happen? How's it going to be? But actually, those that shout, they're shouting because they see that it won't happen. You don't see some kind of ability to deteriorate into anarchy There is something. No, no. They have many ties systems that are very flexible. So I'll I'll ask from a different direction. What does the U.S. need? I wanted to ask uh, what does the U.S. need to do, but what I will ask is what do we or what can other countries learn from the U.S.? in order to be stronger, more resilient, I don't know. Look again, it's politics, policies, economy, different things are very these things are very far from me. I think that we need to learn from it how this country nonetheless gets along, suffers, builds itself, adjusts itself to all these new things that are going on in the world. It's Uh, actually because of democracy.
2: Uh, Not
1: democracy because uh, there's a democratic party there, but because that's how it's built and feels and absorbs what the
2: nation
1: symbolizes, uh, what the nation um, shows. On a different topic, Trump decided to run in 2024 again. So it seems, I didn't announce it yet, but that's what all signs show. You were in his favor back then. I was in his favor, of course, compared to what happened, what came after him. But now I no longer know. It doesn't seem to me that it can repeat itself. It can go back to the same correct, proper attitude toward Israel and that it will be like it was back then. I don't know. Still, we need to understand that all of our, our relations with the Saudis, with the, um, with other countries in the Middle East, many little things, were arranged by Trump. Israel. I am
2: not. He was
1: very friendly toward Israel. So why shouldn't it continue? Oh, you know, it all depends. It's not going to... Make it happen. Times change, relations change. What was, was. We'll see. One way or another, I'm in favor of Trump in the meantime, as opposed to anyone else. (laughs) 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 looking at the headlines, it's easy to conclude that something is broken in the world. The plague, crises due to climate change, global wheat shortage, the Russia-Ukraine war, political and economic collapse in Sri Lanka, the resignation of the Italian prime minister, even though it was not accepted by the president, the assassination of the former Japanese president, and in the U.S. A peak in inflation and mass shootings. What's happening to the world? There's nothing new under the sun. I don't see anything new out of the ordinary happening in the world. <inaudible> that they killed the former Japanese president, or some crisis in the Sri Lanka, or something else. What do you want? The world is a body, a block, a system. That is very multifaceted, various, meaning that all of its parts affect each other. And so we need to understand that that's how it's supposed to be. If in the past there were distances between countries that they needed to fly, or pe- no not to fly that people needed to ride horses or take a train or something today it's in a second today I have the internet we're all interconnected and then this world marketplace it really affects everyone this global marketplace so we need to understand where do we exist and not to be excited by it But according to the pace and speed and measure of connection between everyone accordingly, we need to try and adjust our vessels of reception to it. In the mid-90s, there was genocide in Rwanda and Bosnia, years of uh, war in Yugoslavia. Um, There was famine in Somalia and North Korea, civil wars in many countries. Previous decades, in many ways, were worse than now. Why is there a feeling today that it is the worst situation ever? Again, it's because we're more interconnected.
2: And so that's how it is.
1: Once we lived in villages, 10 kilometers from each other, and today we're as if living um, in light of the relations or connections between us, not as if we're living in the same village, but in the same house. In a few years, you will feel that you are inside your
4: bedroom.
1: So it means that the crisis is a matter of perception.
2: It is, of
1: course, a matter of perception. Of
2: course.
1: We don't know, we we feel, we hear, we see what goes on everywhere.
2: In real time.
1: And we were impressed by it in real time and we respond to it in real time and everyone else does the same. So it's a marketplace. So So, the feeling is that the situation, the world is deteriorating. Uh, it's a feeling that's more common in the rich countries. According to the New York Times, residents uh, in America and Western Europe are more complaining about the world being in crisis. Why? Like you said? No, I mean, why in the rich countries they have a stronger connection a time in which and also the matter that they're all interdependent and everything it's all interdependence all in all nothing changed man has not changed the ties between us did and these ties they force each of us to connect to we we can't The connection is tighter and we simply don't know how to deal with it. We can't stand it. We can't stand it. I want to escape
2: to some corner where I will live, sleep.
1: When did someone ever read a book? Nowadays. And told his friend about it, that he found this great book. You heard such
2: things? So that's it?
1: We're living in a world that is all about news. Uh, We can't take it. All in all, we're not made for it.
2: So there will be more ill,
1: more mentally ill, etc., etc. You said that the world is not advancing according to Darwin's materialistic predictions, because it's not linear that we need to discover that we can't succeed at anything. How do we Break out of this cycle, circle, by disseminating the wisdom of Kabbalah. If today you want to bring the world something new that will really help it, you have no chance of succeeding in anything besides bringing them the wisdom of
2: Kabbalah
1: relatively in a more or less whole and complete fashion where you touch on all things and you destroy them, right? Well, in short, you make a kind of package out of them. You wrap them up
2: nicely
1: and you serve it to everyone. This way we'll learn how to see reality for what it is. Now, we'll help everyone to see reality for what it is in a correct and proper, stable, normal way that only we need to arrange ourselves nothing or outside of ourselves
4: We're,
1: the world right now where
4: is it the
1: world doesn't understand what is going on or it's changing too quickly. The world is very confused. People are very confused, and therefore there's not much you can do. But to try and explain to people what is the correct observation before how to correctly look at these things before they completely go mad, and what's the right way to look at things to see this picture in general.
2: No. And
1: not to go crazy and run from corner to corner, but to see this picture in general integrally. Extreme heat wave in Europe. Along with all the crazy things that the world is going through, in addition, an extreme heat wave swept through Europe last week, killing hundreds of people. In Portugal, temperatures reached forty seven degrees. In Spain, France, thousands have been evacuated from their homes due to huge fires, and Britain is already preparing for the hottest day of the year. According to forecasts, this heat wave or these heat waves can continue for several years. Scientists claim that unless we reduce greenhouse um, gases to zero, things are going to get worse. Do you agree? I don't know. Everything's possible.
2: But no doubt that Earth,
1: as a result of the influence between us uh, as a result of our attitude toward each other. It's also falling out of balance. We need to understand where does it come from? That at the peak of the pyramid are the relations between us. And it influences everything that happens up to the universe and galaxies and you name it. And it's all deteriorating. So once relations between people were better, around the world if we suffered less extreme climate changes I wouldn't say better but they were they had a lesser negative impact there were fewer people the relations between them Were on a lesser degree, lower degree than now. And the influence of all these things was such that, you know, it's like, like if you watch a movie from 30 or 40 years ago, that was their influence, the influence of these things. So the intensity of the relations between us that you can connect to anyone in the world now increases the evil. Everything makes an impact, and especially relations between people and with the Internet and everything. Undoubtedly, we are influencing the climate in an extreme way. Any meeting between two people generates mainly negative forces in the world. Not necessarily, but usually, yes, because we're egoists. And anyone who meets anyone else, it's in order to use them in a bad way. And nature is against these kinds of relations. Nature absorbs it, but gives a response. What can nonetheless save the planet? The relations between us, like we said. The little attitude that people have toward each other has an important effect, of course, because man is on a very high level on the ladder of the influence that he has over nature. The relations between people influence everything for the better and for the worse. So we, we perceive good relations in different ways. How can a person examine whether he's getting something good out of mutual care and concern, mutual responsibility, at least knowing that we're interdependent in that. Um, Something short. Tomorrow the UN is celebrating Mandela Day, who was associated more than anything with the fight against apartheid in South Africa. The main purpose of this day is to show that every person has the ability to make a change. What do you think? Does every person have the ability to change, and no, no, it was a special case, it was in a special place, it was a special case, on a special topic, and a special time, and it was really given room to spread the way it did, and to appear and grow. But that's it. Before him, there were such two, and after him, but Something did occur as a result. So, it's, you know, big people that make these revolutions, but only unique people really have an impact over the world. It's not the person, like, the time and place. How can the smallest person can make a difference in the world? Yes, he can, on condition that he knows how to relate nicely to other people. We don't need nothing but to change the relations between people. And any person, even the smallest, can make a change in that. Yes. If he changes what has added to, meaning to change himself. Yeah. And what kind of change does he bring to the world? Any person that changes his attitude toward others, that somewhat disseminates mutual responsibility, that by it we calm nature down and we act. We influence, we make an impact in humanity. Uh, you know what? We affect everything, the stars, the everything through our relations. So there are two things. One, to change my attitude toward others and also circulate mutual guarantee.
2: Yeah.
1: So it's personally for everyone and in general in the form of dissemination particular work in general. Be well. Wish you all the best. Rest. I don't know what's up with you. All the best. Till next time.